All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 36 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. I'm your host, Brock Segan. we got Dylan D. Berthium, Michael Biebs Bondi. Fellas, how's it going? It's We're in the thick of it. I mean, we have got a week, well, two weeks, I guess, left in the NHL season, and that is it for the 2023 season. So, uh, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about our fantasy teams. Give us some quick updates just to let you guys know my league of record. I uh, had the first round by. I am absolutely dusting right now in the fir- in the semis. So looking forward to going to the finals next week. Um, my team, I don't know if I've mentioned it, it's called the Retirement Home. It's a redraft league, and all the guys on my team are pretty old, especially my forwards. I, I did the math the other day. Definitely have Bergeron. I do. The average age of my forwards is 33 years old. It's just an absolute... They don't uh, make those anymore. I think I have like seven Hall of Famers on the squad. But, uh, Biebs, how are you doing in your semifinal matchups? Uh, a little tough. We had to uh, we had to wave the white flag on one team before we uh, before we even you know made it to uh, to Sunday. It was tough. It was a long week of just getting shelled the whole week, so we could see it coming. And that was that was the team that I really cared about. Even tougher when you look over and saw and see that I could have beat both teams that were uh, playing on the other side. But that's not how fantasy works. So, uh, so we we go back to the drawing board on that one. It's a keeper league, though, so I'm pretty confident. And then uh, the other league, the one that me and D are both still alive in and fighting uh, for our lives, 
I I, I crushed my opponent. Uh, I got Victor Arvidsson off the waiver wire, and uh, he helped secure things on Sunday. So. Just the second star in the NHL last week, yeah, I believe. Yeah, pretty nice just to snag him up and uh, and get that production out of a guy who you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take one assist and a couple shots here and there. So we're doing good. Still alive. Uh, it's, a, it's, again, a battle this week. I feel like I just haven't had the rosters going. But you know what? Weekend comes around and things can change. So, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be there. Still still good to have a team going. D, obviously, uh, let's start with your pursuit for Connor Bedard. Did you fall all the way to the basement? Yeah, we're there. We got the top lottery odds locked there you up. Go. So I think I got about a 30% chance, give or take, uh, of locking Connor Bedard, or Connor Bedard down on a 25-year contract in my Dynasty League. So pretty excited about that. Very nice. Fingers will be crossed for the next few months here leading up to the lottery um and then still cooking in the other two leagues the one uh, I, I think i complained about last week not getting a buy in the in the 10 team league uh despite finishing first but we uh just managed to sneak past the eight seed of course they had their best week of the year but we were able to clutch it out it was a a great battle so hats off to ed and then uh into the next round against our uh our, our boy shuey who loves listening to the pod as well so um if you are listening shu good luck through the weekend he got off to a really hot start on me but the boys are having a bit of a renaissance tonight. Hoping to he's see the one who knocked he... me out of the other league. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm not, not too happy with that guy. Yeah. So trying to get a revenge kill here for Biebs. Thank you. Uh, picked up your boy Perron today. Brock got me a couple apples. He's he'll get a couple more games in for me uh, this weekend. So uh, and yeah, hoping Tristan Yari can hold on to a shutty there. Got about five minutes to go. Not afraid to jinx it. Uh, by the time people hear us, it'll be tomorrow. So I don't, I don't think it'll work like that. Um, and then, yeah, I got Yari going in the points league as well. That was the one I did have the buy-in. We're looking good in that league as well. Uh, our other buddy, Eric, also uh, likes to listen to the show. I don't know if he's as frequent of a listener, but he, he tunes in and he'll probably tune in this week to see if we're uh, dishing any dirt about his squad. But uh, yeah, hanging on there as well. Uh, it's, it's a battle, but uh, that's the league I got McDavid in. So there's only so much you could do uh, against me when you give me McDavid, to be honest. So um yeah we're looking to cruise to a victory there he's putting it up a good week but uh shouldn't matter hopefully. i would love mcdavid one year in the fantasy playoffs just to kind of chill a little bit um and allow some other teams to win because i think this is the third year in a row where it's just fantasy playoff come, comes around and he just goes nuts we saw it the year that he was um they were in the bubble um per se and uh and he needed to reach 100 points in 56 games and i think he put up like 20 points in his last like six and it was all during the the fantasy playoffs so connor give someone else a chance bud but uh d good to hear you're crushing it still bud thanks man they had some i mean a couple of tough matchups this week vegas off off the back to back and then they got la tonight but that sandwiched uh or those two games sandwiched by some easy matchups against the coyotes and ducks so uh yeah connor should be seeing me through with a nice uh saturday night performance against the ducks Connor, absolutely cooking. We are going to talk about Connor McDavid a little bit later in the show. Just to give you an idea of what we're going to talk about today, as always, we're going to have these weekend streamers. But since we covered last this week, last week, D's only going to talk about the goaltending starts for this weekend. Uh, but just to give you a quick reminder of which teams you should try to target for streaming this weekend, the Calgary Flames play Friday in Vancouver and Sunday in sorry at home against the Ducks. Two pretty cushy matchups there. So the, the Flames look like a primo target to go after this weekend. The next team is the Detroit Red Wings in Winnipeg and in Toronto on Friday, Sunday. Looking pretty good. That top line, as DJ said, David Prawn coming off a hat trick. Another couple apples tonight uh, heating up there. Uh, then you got the New York Rangers in Buffalo and in Washington. Two pretty decent matchups. It will be Devin Levi's NHL debut tomorrow. So 
Um, whether or not he stands on his head or the Rangers can get to him in his debut, we'll have to find out. But they We're going to need leagues to add him, by the way. Yeah, not <laughs> even on Yahoo right now. Yeah, he's not. And, uh, and I can sure imagine he will be a lot of people just waiting. Yeah, yeah. And he'll, he'll likely be on waivers right away. So uh, keep an eye on that. Keep yeah, people aren't even going to be able to start him on Friday for sure. You're not going to be able to scoop him. Uh, then the last two teams, you got the Vancouver Canucks against the Flames on Friday and then at, at home to the Kings on Sunday and the Winnipeg Jets against the Red Wings on Friday and the Devils on Sunday. So those are your teams that play Friday, Sunday. Again, just a reminder, Sunday a little bit busier than normal. You've got nine games on Sunday. Um, so before we get to your weekend streamers, just want to lay out the rest of the show. We aren't going to take a look and talk about streamers for next week. Like we have been because it's just a really, really weird week. Uh, Monday, you've got three games Wednesday. You've got three games, but then Friday, uh, the, the NHL takes a day off entirely zero games. And then all, uh, 32 teams play on Saturday. And then you've got just two games on Sunday. So not really a week that sets up well for streaming, Plus, a lot of weeks are probably going to bleed into the next week and, and run right to the end of the regular season if your fantasy championship does that. Um, you know, again, it's kind of weird. You got 10 games Monday, 10 games Tuesday, three games Wednesday, and 15 games on Friday, and then two games on, uh, sorry, 15 games on Thursday, two games on Friday to end the season. So, Obviously, you're going to try to want to get some some players in your lineup that play, you know, on that Wednesday and on that Friday to try to maximize your games played, but. I don't think you need us to walk you through that one. There's only a handful of teams you can pick from. Make sure to check out Daily Faceoff. We've got the weekly schedule that makes it really, really easy to do this um, and, and find the teams that are playing on the days that you're going to be needing. So kind of difficult to break down the schedule, just the way things shake out the next couple of weeks. So we're going to shift our focus uh, back to the preseason. We're going to talk about our DFO fantasy mock draft we conducted at the start of the season. Uh, we're going to break down all of our teams, how we performed, who was the best, who was the worst. I was the worst. Um, and then we are going to just talk about... Sorry, I didn't hear that. So, who was the worst, Brock? I, I was the worst. Oh, Brock okay, was yes. the worst. Yeah. Um, we will talk about just kind of the mistakes we made, the, the, the things we were definitely right on, um, pump our tires a little bit, but also humble, humble ourselves a little bit as well. Uh, so we're going to yeah, have a little bit of fun with the mock draft, but let's get the important stuff out of the way first. Dylan DeBerthium, take it away with the goaltender weekend streamers. All right, so we'll go day by day here, Brock. As you said, we got four games Friday, 13 Saturday, nine on Sunday. Uh, and we're going to look at some potential backups that might be sneaking into the lineup here and which ones will be uh, the best to target in terms of spot start value this weekend. So starting off Friday night, there's just two teams playing the back-to-back Thursday, Friday. Uh, that being the Red Wings, who Brock already mentioned, that are in Winnipeg. Not crazy about starting Magnus Helberg there on the back-to-back. Uh, but the Rangers are going to be in Buffalo uh, again, against uh, you said that's going to be Levi's debut, correct? Correct. Uh, and taking him on will be Yaroslav Halak, 14% owned. Chesterkin uh, took on the Devils tonight, so it will be Halak getting a start in Buffalo tomorrow. Rangers will be sizable favorites in that game. Halak has been good when called upon this season and has played especially well of late with a 934 save percentage across his last three starts. So unless you want to really roll the dice and go for the flip side of that matchup, assuming uh, if you don't have waivers, if uh, Levi passes straight through, if he is in the uh, is on the sites by the time that comes around. Really, the only other option in terms of spot start will be Hellberg and Winnipeg. Obviously, not crazy about that at all. So, Halak looking pretty good if you're looking to get an extra game in on Friday. Not a lot of great options on Saturday, but with 13 games on the docket, you should have plenty of options on the squad already. One exception could be Anti Ranta, 37% owned, returned from his lower body injury to serve as the backup tonight. Kachetkov sent down as expected. 
Uh, the Canes are in Montreal on Saturday before hosting the Isles on Sunday. Ranta would be a fantastic option on what would obviously be a busy slate if he gets the Canadians on Saturday. Uh, and he'd be a deep shot option on a not as busy slate Sunday. So uh, if he does get the Isles on Sunday, like I said, not as good of a matchup, but probably a little bit more utility there given uh, just the sizes of the slate. So keep an eye on how that those starts shake out. Uh, and then similarly, Mackenzie Blackwood, 9% returned from his lower body injury last Saturday, which resulted in the surprise or surprise demotion of Akira Schmid. Uh, the Devils are in Chicago Saturday in Winnipeg Sunday. So Blackwood will be a favorite to get the win in either game. Obviously, Chicago would be a much easier assignment, but the Jets have been reeling of late. And of course, everything that I just said about Ranta uh, applies here, right? That that start Saturday against Chicago, obviously a much tastier start, but it's on the much busier slate. Uh, whereas Winnipeg, a little bit more challenging, but again, probably a little bit more likely to need the start there. Uh, but if all goes to plan, my number one target in goal this weekend is Mad Sogard, 12% owned. A uh, little bit tricky to forecast this one because Cam Talbot did just return to the lineup tonight. The Sens had the Leafs on Saturday before traveling to Columbus Sunday. So normally you would assume it would be Talbot getting the buds on Saturday, leaving a really strong matchup for Sogard on Sunday. Uh, but this situation, as I said, a little less clear given Talbot is coming off the injury. They might opt to give him an extra night off. Uh, so watch closely Saturday. If Talbot is announced as the starter for Saturday's game, you'll want to move for Sogard ASAP as he will be a hot commodity on Sunday morning, which could make or break you getting into your fantasy finals. He's been inconsistent this season, Sogard, uh, which is no surprise from a 22-year-old goaltender, but he has been coming into his own of late. He's posted a 930 save percentage or better in each of his last three starts. And then finally, we got Casey DeSmith, 20% owned. The Penguins host the Bruins Saturday and the Flyers Sunday. Yari, as we said, uh, having a great start tonight. I expect him to get the Bruins on Saturday, which should leave a pretty favorable matchup for DeSmith uh, against the Flyers on Sunday. So another potential matchup winner there, just not as widely available at 20%. Yeah, um, DeSmith has definitely had, I think you could probably call it a pretty inconsistent, pretty rocky season, but... um, other than the start against the Red Wings recently, he had been performing pretty well. I think he's probably pretty trustworthy. Um, I agree with you. If I had to forecast it, I would imagine that Sogard probably goes Saturday just to give Talbot that extra night off. But yeah, if he doesn't, um, you know, obviously a great start on Sunday. Just to just to give you guys an idea, Cam Talbot, they're in the third period tonight. He has faced nine shots on goal, so maybe he won't need that night off. But he's given up three goals. He has made six Ooh. stops, and there is nine minutes left in that game. They're up four to three. So if, if um, Sogard does get the start, though, it has all the feels of last week's Colin Delia start, uh, which D suggested there, and that, that was a free win on Sunday. So um, if he does go against Columbus, I think it's just you know we're watching a pretty much carbon copy of that go. I had I think fifteen tweets directed at me last weekend if they should start Colin Delia or Joseph Wall right. on, we on Sunday. To be um, yeah, so I actually told everybody that I would lean wool slightly. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it ended up being a, a nice thing for me. I, I couldn't really get it wrong because I think they, they definitely both won, but I think their stat lines were almost identical as well. So you really couldn't have made a bad decision there. I, I fortunately, you know, steered somebody towards the win, but Delia came through as well. Uh, and again, both of them. Uh, strong spot starts and, and a couple people tweeted at me thanking me saying you got me into the finals and I said well if you started Delia D got you into the finals so I don't know uh, about you guys though but like if Wall ever starts I kind of just want a piece of that he's kind of a nice little um, low owned option when he does he's producing you know a nine ten right now well a lot better than that but it's kind of what you can expect at least from him. so yeah uh, he's that's been a solid. great option when he is when he is out there and, and up 
he's he just seems to come up at the most random moments like you have no idea there's anything going on in the toronto crease and all of a sudden it's like joseph wall's been recalled like how why what's the reasoning but anyways that was these weekend streamers as always make sure you follow along he's been absolutely slaying it not just recently but all season long okay before we move on and take a look at the mock draft we will give you a little bit of help for next week or the next two weeks so this only applies if you're um if your finals goes for the full length, if it goes beyond next week into the following week and goes the full, I think it would be 12 days. Um, these are the teams that play the most games over that time. The Buffalo Sabres, the Colorado Avalanche, the Nashville Predators, and the Seattle Crack each play seven games. There is a host of teams that play six. About half the league plays five. So you get an extra couple of games. Out of the Sabres, out of the Avalanche, out of the Predators, and out of the Kraken. Um, fortunately for us, these are teams that we've talked about pretty regularly. They've been you know, featured very heavily on the streaming segments of these shows in recent weeks. So you know who to target for most of these teams. The Sabres, we've talked about J.J. Paterka. We've talked about Jack Quinn. We talked about Victor Olsen. The same thing you know, continues to roll along. With the Avalanche, you've got J.T. Comfort and Evan Rodriguez, Samuel Gerrard as well. For the Predators, we haven't talked about them too much, but honestly, their entire team is pretty much available. Tom, Tommy Novak, Luke Evangelista have been really, really solid. Philip Tomasino, Cody Glass up there as well. Uh, the primary targets would be pretty much any of those four guys. They play big minutes at 5v5 right now. They're all featured on the top power play unit together. Um, at the moment, Matthew Shane out long term. There's been no real word on when Philip Forsberg is coming back. So it looks like the Predators are going to continue to lean pretty heavily on this young group of forwards. And they've performed pretty admirably to date. Tommy Novak, Luke Evangelista specifically have had really, really good numbers. Cody Glass has put up some big totals as well. And Phil Tomasino is still a pretty... Uh, prize prospect. So all four of those guys would be worth a look in, in that spot. Uh, then you've got the Seattle Kraken. I, you know, we've talked about this team a lot this year. Their team has been uh, pretty widely available on the waiver wire throughout the season. Uh, you know, obviously you've seen Jared McCann's ownership rise a little bit at times, uh, but overall this team is still pretty widely available. If you take a look at it here, uh, Vince Dunn, highest owned player on the squad at 84%. Then you've got Adam Larson at 59%. And then Jared McCann, the first forward, at 59%. But the rest of the team, Matty Bernier's 33%. Jordan Eberle, 19%. Those would be the two guys that I would be the most interested in. Uh, but if you go a little bit further down the list, you've got Gord at 12, Bjorkstrand at 8, yada, yada, yada. As we go down the list, they become more and more available. So the Kraken's certainly a team that would be also worth taking a look at. Those are the four teams with seven games next week. Even uh, Wenberg, 2% owned for deep leagues, is always a good bet to get you an apple on any given night. Enjoys playing lots of ice time. Mm -hmm. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right. Let's take a look back at our mock draft. So uh, if you guys don't remember or if you were not listening to the episode way back in September, what we did was we conducted a mock draft with the three of us and then um, eight, uh, sorry, nine other owners, but they weren't actual owners. We just drafted the other teams based on ADP to try to give us a realistic view of which players might be available at our spots um, with the Yahoo ADP. So how we did it was Biebs took the first overall selection. I picked in the middle at six and D picked at the end with 12. So we bookend the draft with me in the middle and went about our merry way and picked the other teams based on ADP and obviously positional needs at the time. So Biebs had first overall. He took Connor McDavid, not surprising. Um, just to give you an idea, Biebs, we'll have you go first since you had the first overall pick. Break your team down a little bit. Say, tell us where you went right, where you went wrong, uh, what you could have done better, what you would have changed. But to give you an idea of, of how this thing all shook out, I took a, a player rating, uh, basically a VORP rating, value above replacement, um, and, and rated out each team's two best centers, two best left wingers, two best right wingers, two best defensemen, and best two goaltenders to give us an, an idea. Obviously, add and drops would have changed it throughout the season, trades, yada, yada, yada. But just based on the, on the draft and how it worked out, who had the best draft of the top two players at each position? Dylan reigned supreme thanks to an elite combination of defensemen, uh, coming in at number two, though, you had Biebs Bondi um, leaning pretty heavily on Connor McDavid. And then me, a little bit further down the list, eighth overall, unfortunately. We had five auto-drafted teams ranking above me. Uh, we will break down all of my faults at nauseum here on this show. But Biebs, let's start with you. You had the first overall pick. You couldn't mess up the first pick. Where did you go right and where did you go wrong from there? I mean, you you could have messed up the first overall pick. Some people were talking about other names that weren't Connor McDavid, but uh, unfortunately, guilty. I stuck to my guns. I wasn't going to say your name, Dia. I was just saying other people. To be fair, uh, I did have the one one in one league, and I did draft McDavid. Yeah. But I did say there was a case for drafting Leon because their point to- and goal totals are usually so similar. Leon gets the wing eligibility, and of course, this is the year that Connor passes him by. 20 30 points but you weren't you weren't the only one it's kind of it's kind of like how people are talking about uh adam ventilli um maybe you know giving bedard a a a, a run for the first overall pick but it's like he's not doing that um so you know people just like to like to have some narratives and you and uh i ran on this question a lot before drafts actually if people should go with them but yeah i chose mcdavid far and away my best player um i i think you know that again that, that played itself out. And I think for future years to come, we should not overthink this pick and kind of, kind of just always go McDavid. Um, and I'm not even saying we, as in us, like just everyone in the world who plays fantasy sports, uh, just take Connor. Um, he's going to be there in your league. So you should. And uh, if we're talking about picks that I really like, I, uh, I took David Pasternak with my third pick. Um, I had in between that sandwich was our Temi Panarin, you know, got, decent production of Panarin, but I, I would have liked a lot more, especially with this kind of draft and, uh, and with that being my second pick, but yeah, Pasternak, as we know, an elite goal scorer this year, and he was one of my most productive players, but uh, surprisingly my favorite pick of all came very, very late for me. It came actually in round 13. It was Vince Dunn of Seattle. You mentioned him earlier as one of the more higher owned players. 
um, that on Seattle, actually one of the only ones, and deservedly so. Vince Dunn kind of took a step forward this year that we really expected. We've watched him flutter around power play ones and 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 kind of be there and, and and show he can put up points in previous years but we kind of just wanted to see him stick and that's year, this year that's what we've seen from vince dunn he's got 61 points in 73 games for my final defenseman that's incredible production out of those 61 points 13 of them are goals he's a plus 25 133 shots would have liked a bit more in the shooting department but again that's somewhere where a guy like vince dunn could actually improve in future years so it, it's almost exciting for us he's only 26 um, Seattle's still coming around. They're still not, you know, what they, they want to be down the line. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy with that pick 15 power play points too. He took a step forward on PP one and that's kind of where we knew he would have to do it. And, and to see that, you know, Vince Dunn is a potential 65 point player. That's really exciting. I think he's not think he's definitely going to be going a lot higher than, uh, the 13th round next year. So, um, you know, good to steal that. And it's always good to get really high production from a defenseman, that you don't expect because um, you know, you can have the McCars, you can have the, uh, the headmans, but, but it's great to get that. So I kind of needed that. And I really think that helped propel me up above a few of the other teams where I really, really struggled. And, uh, and I kind of knew coming in that it wasn't my best um, category was goaltending. I actually put up a negative uh, number in that Brock has each of our positions and, uh, and where we went positive or negative, And my goaltending t- was actually the negative. I took, Frederick Anderson round five and I took Tristan Yari round six. And I remember at the time I more just got handcuffed. Um, there wasn't great goalies on the board. They were going quick. And with me being at the one spot spot, there's a whole bunch of picks in between that. And uh, that's why I kind of went after the free wins and Anderson. And unfortunately Anderson got hurt. Um, and he's kind of just played like poo poo getting wins. Um, but he hasn't been the nine twenty Anderson that we saw last year. So that hurts. And then Tristan Yari, I imagine if three weeks ago we, we looked at this, um, <laughs> my team might have even did a little bit better, but Tristan Yari has struggled as of late, and he's kind of just been an ad- average goaltender this year. Um, you could have got that production out of a lot of goaltenders that went late in drafts or just straight up did go undrafted. So, um, you know what we say, goalies are always voodoo, so I'm going to use that as my excuse on, uh, on, on why, uh, why that happened. Other than that, um, I had Braden Point, too, as a pick, which is a huge steal. I took Braden Point in the eighth round. Um, so he would be, I guess, another one that I, that I would like to point out was awesome. Because, uh, you know, we love Braden Point here on the Daily Face Up podcast, especially after what he did this year. He was one of our breakout candidates. And it was good to snag him and uh, and get all his glory. Yeah, I mean, we had, uh, if you look at our teams, a lot of our sleeper picks coming into the season landed on our teams. And honestly, we did... Um, extremely well in that regard this year. A lot of our sleepers really, really had big years. Guys that were going far, far too late in drafts ended up completely smashing. Beebs, I'll ask you one final question Mm -hmm. before we move on to D's team. If there's one pick, looking at the draft board, if there's one pick in a guy that went uh, maybe a couple picks after you that you could change, what what would it be? Yeah, I'm just kind of looking here. One that really stands out, I've already mentioned the goaltending thing, but Gorgiev went in the ninth round uh, to team two, which is the team right behind me. Um, and at that point, I was three rounds off of picking Yari, so I could have waited, grabbed Gorgiev. Some other names that went there were, um, around after were Logan Thompson and Billy Huso. Huso not so much, but Logan Thompson might have been a name that could have put up better production for me. But uh, one thing that really stands out, I grabbed Jake Drake Batherson, um, 73rd overall in the seventh round. And there is just I don't feel as bad because some of the names around him are uh, Thibaut Teravainen, Matt Duchesne, 
um, Evgeny Kuznetsov. So some names that uh, Nikolai Yedler, some names that really didn't produce. Um, but looking, you know, when you look at some of the sleeper picks that really broke out or even some more obvious names like Brock, you took Brad Marchand. Obviously, we know what happened there, but you took Brad Marchand two picks after um, Drake Batherson. And I would have liked Marchand's production this year a little bit more. Um, you know, it, it just hurts to, to see one of, one of my sleepers do that to me, but it, it makes it feel a lot better when I look at Braden Point and Mark Shifley, the two picks behind it. So it's good to see that recovery. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems like the guys I thought would take a step forward, like Raymond and Batherson did not. So um, I, I would be very pleased, though, with this team if I, uh, if I could redraft and do it again. So there you have it. That's the first overall pick. D, we might as well go with you next. Go with continue with the glory here before sure. we talk about my dumpster fire of Can't a hockey club. Uh, D, when you look at your team, you know a lot of the things that we talked about in the preseason. You you were able to capitalize on a lot of the guys that we talked about being breakouts and guys that we liked. You scooped up, especially in the mid to late rounds, and it really propelled uh, your team. And, and I, I think that you would agree with me that that's where you won this draft because the top couple picks were a little bit lackluster. They didn't quite perform up to expectations. You know, obviously they've had okay seasons, but your middle to late rounds were just absolutely stellar. Yeah. I, well, I went into this draft really just trying to drive home the mantra that I was preaching all season is that basically wait on centers um, and really wait on defensemen. Cause aside from a car, there wasn't really any that I liked reaching for at the top of the draft. Um, and I thought there was, you know, not a whole lot of difference in the defensemen that were ranked in the 10 to 20 range than the ones that were ranked, you know, five to 10 sort of thing. So those defensemen didn't make a whole lot of sense for me springing in the early, you know, first three or four rounds. Um, and then with the centermen too, like we, we said it all, um, all preseason, but the centers were just so, so deep and it was so important to just try to fill up your wings early. Um, so I think even the fact that my wingers that I took early on, you know, they maybe didn't smash it. The fact that they were still more than serviceable, um, you know, helps out enough. Whereas I could just clean up with the centers that I did go after later in the draft. So Ovi, I took at one twelve, um, and then Kyle Connor at with the one, uh, th- or the, the two, one, I guess I was on the, the reverse swing there. Uh, so I took Ovi at the end of the first round and then Connor to open up the second, um, I, you know, overall, pretty happy with those two picks. I was considering Matthew going Matthew Kachuk there with one of those. So that was a bit of a regret. He was someone I was really high on in the preseason. Um, I think you drove me down a little bit on him, Brock. But uh, I, I thought right wing in particular was just a little bit thinner than left wing. And that certainly played out this season. I think that's part of why Beebs ended up uh, maybe reaching for Batherson a little bit in those middle rounds because he didn't get one early. Uh, and at that point, you did kind of have to reach to get a guy that you were comfortable with. Uh, certainly my, my worst pick you could call it would have come in the third round when I picked up Patrick Kane. Uh, but again, it really didn't end up hurting me all that much. Cause it's not like there was a whole lot of great right wingers that ended up going off the board after him. I was happy taking Kane there because I thought, uh, his production would be more than serviceable. While I was in Chicago and then he would get the move that we were all expecting. He got the move. Obviously his production in Chicago wasn't great for the first few months, but he really, um, went on an absolute tear, a massive heater to close out his Blackhawks career, at least for now. We'll see what happens in the summer. Um, and then he's been obviously pretty serviceable since he went over to the Rangers, maybe a little bit disappointing, but I think that's just the nature of how stacked that top six is. Uh, and then William Nylander, I, I thought, you know, one of the few values picks to really be had there at the wing it was nice getting him at the end of the fifth round. Uh, and that led right into, uh, the opening pick of the sixth round, which was Jack Hughes. Obviously it was my favorite pick of the preseason. His ADP, I believe was in the nineties for Yahoo. Correct. Um, so I went like three rounds early on him here. 
Uh, and if you guys, you know, were listening to the podcast on the preseason, you know that I actually said, you know, I, I would take him a whole lot earlier than that, saying, you know, I, I thought he uh, honestly should have been a late second, early third round pick this season going into the year. But again, there was no need to take him that early. You could wait and get him here like I did. So that was a huge pick. Uh, Swayman made f- up for a nice pick there, obviously waited a little bit of my goaltender. Maybe got a little bit fortunate uh, with that one because uh, it didn't quite work out his plan. I thought he would run away with that job, be a serviceable number one on what would be a pretty good team. Instead, they were just the best team ever. Uh, and he ended up being a top five fantasy goalie, even as the backup. So that was great. Um, and then paired that with Dougie Hamilton. Again, this is where waiting on the defenseman uh, really helped out. Um, and that just led into uh, a few rounds later in 11 and 12, which just absolutely uh, ended up being two of the biggest steals in the entire draft. I took Tage Thompson, 132nd overall, and then Eric Carlson, 133rd overall. So just absolutely massive swing there. Um, and again, me taking Tage here, I wish this happened in my real drafts. <laughs> I, I swayed a little bit from in my actual leagues where you know, we were drafting in the redraft leagues that we were in. Uh, ended up chasing a little bit of the center talent early. Again, that was pretty much just because I had McDavid. Um, so I needed to kind of fill out the wings a little bit more. Essentially, the reason I'm setting this up is because, and again, this kind of, uh, not to say I knew Tage was going to be amazing. If I did, I would have taken him around where Jack went. But to me, uh, Tage Thompson and Adrian Kempe were two guys that I viewed as being on really even keel coming into the season. They both had big breakout years last year. They're similar in age, about 25 and 26, I believe. Uh, yeah, both coming off about 35 goal seasons. Uh, I thought both of them, you know, really earned those 35 goals on merit last year. I thought it was really uh, repeatable and then obviously didn't really expect a massive step forward for either of them, but I thought they were both sneaky value. Ended up going with Kempe in basically all my real leagues because I needed to fill out the wing or the wings at that stage in the draft. Uh, but here was able to capitalize and go with Tage. So really just luck of the draft and that I was still looking for a center iceman in that position. And I ended up going Tage over Kempe. It could have easily been the other way. And then obviously that ended up being a massive swing there. Kempe's had a good year, but Tage, obviously, especially for the first half of the season, was one of the best players in the NHL. Cooled off a bit at late, but he's still at, I believe, 44 goals and 89 points in the season, so just massive. And then Carlson, obviously been the best defenseman in fantasy hockey, so to get him as late as he did, uh, always by design. He was one of our favorite sleepers in the preseason. You know, we thought he was just an absolute steal with where he was going, with Brent Burns being gone, and, you know, the kind of opportunity that opened up for him. Um but honestly, one of the biggest steals of the whole draft didn't even end up factoring in because Brock, you just pulled the top two of each position for us. And my third defenseman off the board uh, was Josh Morrissey with uh, my second last pick, 180th overall. Again, another guy who had to battle with Pionk for power play one time in recent years. Uh, sounded like he was going to get a, a clear run at the job this uh, offseason. Obviously, that's exactly what happened. And he has parlayed that just into a massive career year. So yeah, those are some of the biggest deals. Like I said, Kane, probably one of the only regrets in this draft, but even then I'm, I'm fine with it. Cause he, he served his purpose and, and gave me serviceable production on the wing. So is there any pick that you would change or did you just have the pick perfect draft? Uh, probably <laughs> the, the first pick for sure. Um, I would trade out one of Ovi or Connor to go with Kachuk. And then that would have freed me to not have to go for the right wing in the second round. Cause I did go double left wing, right? It would have made more sense just to go, even just for position eligibility sake, like I said, go either Ovi and Kachuk or Connor and Kachuk. Uh, and then that probably would have freed me up to take Jason Robertson instead of Patrick Kane in the next round. Robertson went a couple of picks after, and obviously uh, that would have made my team just that much more scary. But after, aside from that, really, that's, that's I think, all you can really nitpick at here. 
Yeah, I might have talked you out of Matt Kachuk a little bit, and that is for sure my biggest miss of the 2023 season. But Eric Carlson was my sleeper defenseman. You got to him before I could, and uh, yeah, you reap the benefits there. Um, in terms of position, benefits. in terms of position um, strength, your defensive core, and I'm not even factoring Morrissey, was the best in the entire draft. Uh, getting Carlson and was it Dougie Hamilton? Yeah, they were one, two. And then I think even Morrissey was ranked like fifth or, or something. In the, and in you the had Bouchard there. as well, yes. who wasn't great really until they traded Barry, but nonetheless, uh, absolutely outstanding defensive core there. All right, let's get to my dumpster fire of a team. Uh, so with the, I had the sixth overall pick. Nikita Kucherov was my first pick there. Feel pretty good about that one still. Um, but I remember sitting in the draft with my second pick and I wanted to take David Pasternak because I remember preseason I was higher on Pasternak than either one of you um, and I was gonna go with him there and I remember sitting there and thinking I don't want to start my draft with two right wingers so I passed on him you couldn't handle David Pasternak it was a mistake I ended up going with Steven Stamkos I think that factored into it a little bit as well being able to pair Stamkos and Kucherov together seemed like a nice option to me I obviously regret that. I wish I had Pasternak instead, but nonetheless, Stamkos has had a pretty good year pairing them together. I don't think that's where I really lost my draft. Sebastian Aho in the third, I, you know, we all know what's gonna he was gonna do. He's done it again. I think he's you know just turning in a very David Pasch or I'm sorry, very Sebastian Aho like season. Um, again, not really the one that I think cost me my draft, but uh, this is where it starts to get a little hairy by not taking. Uh, David Pasternak early, I felt like maybe I was in need of a second right winger because as D already mentioned, um, they were looking thin. And I went with Kevin Fiala. And I was very high on Fiala. He had a really good season. I think he would have had a great season if he didn't get, if he wasn't so banged up and in and out of the lineup. But he, yeah, I definitely reached on him a little bit. I, I, I truly believed that he was going to be on that top line with Kopitar for most of the season and just never really materialized. He actually was pretty productive on the third line. Um, that was one of my biggest, that was my biggest reach by a mile and it didn't quite pan out. Just looking at some of the names that went after him, uh, Brady Kachuk probably would have been, uh, a smarter selection in that spot. Uh, you know, even pairing up Aho and Andre Svechnikov would have been a, a decent play in that spot. Next was Evander Kane. This is again, another guy that I think I was just a bit of a uh, victim of the injury bug. A couple of these guys just didn't stay healthy. Um, you know, Kane was one of my breakouts this year. I really thought a full season next to McDavid uh, was going to be crazy for him. And based on what we saw a season ago, and it turns out that I was just on the wrong Edmonton Oiler. I needed to just pick Nugent Hopkins uh, or Zach Hyman, and I would have been fine. Uh, absolute shout out. I don't think we've talked about it enough. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins on pace for 100 points. But let it be known that this podcast was pushing Ryan Nugent Hopkins as a late pick in the preseason. So hopefully you guys ended up landing on him. I certainly wouldn't have taken here in the fifth round, but um, yeah, just kind of ended up with Kane, which it was Hyman or, or, or Nuge. It is what it is. My when you goalie, look at some of the names around it, though, it makes it hurt a little bit less. You know, you got Claude Drew, Thatcher Demko. Obviously, Drew's had a better, but Landis Cog, uh, Philip Forsberg. So there's a couple names there that kind of make the Kane hurt a bit less, Brock, if it makes you feel better. Yeah, kind of looking at the left wingers that went shortly after, I think the best pick there probably would have been um, William Nylander um, yeah, instead of letting him drop down to D. Uh, but still, um, you know, obviously the team would look a lot better with, with Willie in there. But Kane, again, if he would have stayed healthy, I think he still would have had a pretty good year. Uh, Connor Hellebuck was my uh, sleeper goalie of the season. And 
you know, for the first, what, four months of the season, he was one of the best fantasy goalies in the NHL. So that pick looked outstanding as a number one goalie. uh, Has really tailed off. Not really so much his fault as just the Jets as a whole. Uh, D, I I meant to interject while you were talking about the Jets, like Helberg as as a spot start this weekend, or I can't remember who else the Jets faced this weekend. But in their last, I think, six or seven games, they've averaged 1.3 goals per game. Uh, The the wheels have just completely fallen off in Winnipeg. Potentially a... Potentially Blackwood getting them on Sunday, depending on who gets the start uh, yeah. Saturday against the Hawks. So he, so he could I, get Chicago Saturday, which would leave, obviously, Vanacek. For yeah, I don't think Helberg or Blackwood are really terrible options. This is not the same Jets team we've seen early in the season. Mark Scheifele is going to be playing the wing tomorrow, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's just the – I think it was uh, – the yeah, it's the travel as well as the back-to-back. Like, the, can, or the wings are obviously playing tonight, uh, and they're hosting Carolina. And to make an overnight trip to Winnipeg from Detroit – and play the next day is just uh, generally not a good time. So that's the main reason why I was shying away from Helberg. But if uh, if it was just a normal given night, I, I, yeah, I would agree with the, the recent context. I wouldn't be that scared of it. Also, Magnus Helberg, not the strongest goaltender option in the NHL. So it's true. Uh, Next, this is certainly one of my, I think, bigger whiffs on the season. This is the guy that I was, one of the players I was the highest on of really taking that next step and breaking out. And that's Shea Theodore. I really, all the signs were pointing towards just a massive year. Again, injuries caught up to him. The injury bug just absolutely beat the shit out of my team. Um, I'd like to think that with the waiver wire, I would have been able to lift this team still to glory, but just on a straight draft, it was not, it was not great. Uh, he has still 41 points in 54 games. Been great uh, on, he's played. Yeah. On pace for a good year. Just again, the, the injury bug, uh, kind of caught up to him and it, 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 it kind of, st- you know, turned a, a potential breakout season into a not so great season. Heard again tonight. Yeah. Didn't play I think the player I was the most correct on, it wasn't really a hot take or anything, was Brad Marchand. I was a huge advocate of taking him in the eighth, ninth round, uh, where he was he was going kind of towards the, the ninth, I believe. Uh, I was I drafted him in every single one of my leagues. I stashed him. He ended up coming back way earlier than anticipated. Um, overall, his numbers haven't been like as spectacular as kind of we would normally see, but he's still a point per game. I think he's got like 61 and 63, 63 and 66, excuse me. So he's still wildly productive. Um so, yeah, waiting on him there. Like, the guys that went around him, Matt Zuccarello, um, Braden Point would have been a nice pick, obviously. But my next pick, I went with my other sleeper center, Rupe Hintz. He's been just as productive uh, as as Braden Point. Maybe not just as productive, but he's been really, really solid. Yeah, I don't Thomas know how you had a bad team. Like, at this point, I'm like, yeah, your team's kind of nice, but you must have just... Just too many injuries. Yeah, on the end. I had I had just too many guys. Other goalies too. I had too many guys getting banged up. Yeah. So Thomas Shabbat, he was fine as number two fantasy defenseman. Then I went back to back goalies: Jordan Bennington and the uh, Avs number one starter Pavel Francouz. (laughs) (laughs) Which that would have been Georgiev. I would have been laughing. I would have had an absolutely stellar roster. But yeah, we really thought that Francouz was. Um, had the chance to be the guy there. Not huge believers in Georgiev coming in. That was for sure probably this podcast as a collective's biggest whiff on the season. But uh, Bennington, yeah, like I, I think the Blues were disappointed. Bennington obviously just did not have a year that was very good. The goalies really kind of crippled uh, my roster here. Taylor Hall, Tyler Toffoli, Seth Jarvis uh, rounding out the, the roster here. I'm, I'm, you know, Hall obviously getting hurt. He was pretty solid. He was basically my pick to just fill in for Brad Marchand, and he did a pretty good job in that role. Um, again, I, I, he probably wouldn't have stayed on the roster throughout the season, but uh, he did a pretty yeah, good job filling in for Marchand early, and then I would probably traded them or moved away. Tyler Toffoli's had a nice year. I liked him as a sleeper coming in. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that pick. Jarvis was one of my breakouts. Still, um, Early in the season wasn't great. Lately, he's been, you know, really solid. Uh, I think next year is the, the year where we really kind of see 
uh, Seth Jarvis take off. Um, similar to like Matt Boldy, right? But Boldy, we, we talked about, like we preached patience with Boldy all season long. And then now he's just on an absolute tear. Um, I think kind of last eight games. Yeah. I think the same thing's kind of coming with Jarvis. We're seeing kind of this late heater. I think it'll carry into next season. Uh, then on D I only drafted three D cause I drafted Marshawn and put him on my IR Jakob Slavin. And then I was looking at the top undrafted defenseman would have been Jeff Petrie to round out my decor. Um, if I would have just scooped him up off the wire, but overall, yeah, that was my team. I, I don't think it was terrible. I think obviously there was some whiffs. Um, you know, I, I think if, if Elias Pedersen would have dropped one pick and I got him instead of Kevin Fiala, that might've changed the narrative a little bit. Uh, but yeah, overall, you know, Evander Kane, Kevin Fiala, probably my two biggest reaches. I, I wish I would have taken um, Pasternak instead of Steven Stamkos in the second round. But overall, like if I looked at this team before, like actually grading it out and doing the math, I wouldn't have thought that I would have been eighth. Like I, I still think that this was a pretty good team. I would have definitely preferred having both of your teams. They looked much better. Um, I'm certainly not a big fan of drafting right in the middle. It's very, it's a very difficult spot uh, to be. I don't like the uncertainty of, of always having to wait six picks. It always feels like you need to reach where, when you're on the ends, you get to grab two guys. And even if you're reaching, you know, you have to, cause it's not coming back to you for, a, for a long time. So, yeah, um, I think when you're in the middle, you get influenced a lot more about uh, what the teams around you are doing more than you should. And really yeah. you, you shouldn't try to take that into consideration a whole lot, but yeah, I think when you're in the middle and you only get one pick at a time and you're worried about filling out the roster that happens. Whereas on the end, yeah, it sucks waiting in between and it sucks when you make a pick and you're like, okay, all these next 10 to 15 guys just don't even look at the names because they're not going to be there. But you're right. It at least frees you up to go out and get your guys because that's what you have to do because they're yeah, make, not going to be there if you wait. Makes it a little bit easier. And I think like obviously we, we're a fantasy hockey podcast, not to talk too much about other sports, but I think it's especially um, not a bad spot to be at the end and be 12th in a fantasy hockey league because it's such a deep sport in comparison yeah. fantasy football might be a little bit more difficult because there's like only so many good running backs where the NHL there's such a, a large pool like the 12th best player isn't much of a difference between the 12th and the fifth best player where yeah. if it's not know, Connor you know if you're not first you're last right yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah, 12 is certainly, I'm always a fan of, of you know, 11, 12. If I don't get Connor McDavid at one, I, I like to be towards the end of the draft. So uh, actually maybe, speaking of team 11, they, they actually got last in this draft because they're next to D. So poor team 11, but kind and of, they funny, grabbed they got, Mark. yeah, 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 yeah they got, they got last in the draft, but at, oh. after pick 110, they got Zach Hyman. Um, they got Dylan Larkin at 134 and they got Linus Allmark at 155 and still had the worst team in this. Honestly, so there was only so them. much you could do this year when you drafted Jonathan Huberto in the first round as uh, Team 11 yeah. did. I wish we were lower on Huberto. We definitely weren't high on him, but we, we probably could have been a little bit more cautious with him. We probably yeah, should have projected the 40 points he was going to put up. <laughs> Yeah, but could have projected, points drop off. we could have yeah. projected Yeah, the switch from Brunette to Sutter maybe having some some sort of an impact. Yep. Anyways, that is going to do it. Unless you guys have any final thoughts on the mock draft. Do you want to flex a little bit more? Uh, no, my biceps are actually a little sore right now. I think I flexed hey, you put for in work there. 15 hey. minutes there. Yeah, Brock wasn't looking and I really wanted him to look. Oh, I watched. I saw it the arms. whole time. You, you didn't move there for a minute. Screen I thought your computer it. screen fro froze for a little bit. You were flexing for so long. But anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hopefully uh, you followed Biebs' lead and drafted Connor McDavid with the first overall pick. Hopefully you followed D's lead uh, later with some of his picks. But yeah, uh, like I said, a lot of the guys we talked about as sleepers ended up on our team, and we just talked about them being some of our favorite picks. Guys that stick out, Braden Point just being an absolute stud. Uh, we, we loved, obviously, Jack Hughes. He was just insane. Eric Carlson. 
Uh, Dougie Hamilton even was a sleeper, which still makes no sense to me whatsoever. But anyways, that's going to do it for Season 8, Episode 36, the DFO Fantasy Podcast presented to you by our friends at Betway. Good luck for the rest of the semifinals. When we talk next week, we're going to be talking finals. Try to help you out. Try to bring home that championship. The season's coming to an end, fellas. Our season's coming to an end. But hope you guys enjoyed this. We'll see you guys back here next week. Can't wait to see you all in the finals. Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.